This is Andrei Stolzers and you are listening to the Film Focus podcast. Hello and welcome to the Fulham Focus podcast. My name's J-Mac and I'll be your host for tonight's show. As we try not to look back in anger at Saturday's defeat to Man City. Once we've sunk our teeth into performance against the champions, we'll have the quiz for our co-hosts and you lovely listeners to play along to at home. And after that, we look ahead to our lunchtime kicker for the weekend as we welcome Slav's former club Watford to the cottage. But before I go any further, I'd like to thank Andre Stolzers for introducing this week's show. The Latvian international signed for Fulham from Shakhtar Donetsk for a fee of £2 million in November 2000 and played his part in Jean Dukana's Division 1 title winning side. The winger made 33 appearances for the Whites, scoring on his debut in a 3-1 win against West Bromwich Albion and then again in the 5-0 Boxing Day thrashing of Saturday's opponents Watford, which we'll take a look at in the more detail in the show. Danny has done a Q&A with Stolzers looking back at his stay in SW6 Whilst Andres was never a regular in Tagana's side, he spoke very highly of his time with Fulham and considers us to be the club, well, he considers us as home. It's a great read, so be sure to check that one out on the website. So, Andres Stolzes, we salute you. Now, without further ado, I'd like to introduce my co-host for today. Co-host number one, Matt Boisclair. How are you doing, mate? I'm very well, thanks, J-Mac. How are you? I'm good, mate. Did I say it right? I keep, like, I practice for about 10 minutes. <laughs> yep, you've, you definitely did. Okay, good. Boisclair. I'd like to just call you Le Matt, but I, I think Matt Boisclair sounds so much I'm, cooler. I'm happy with that, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> All right, man. And also, the uninjured Tom Kearney maestro of our podcast, keeping things as smooth as ever. From the US of A, I, reco- I, <laughs> I introduce Don Love. Hi, Don. Hey, you're doing good here. Uh, you know, actually, <laughs> your, your French is better than mine, so uh, keep it up. Oh, thanks, man. I I got a seat in GCSE, so I'm I'm doing I'm doing all right. I'm doing all right. So, gents, um, we'll do a quick recap, and then we'll we'll talk straight into it. So, we appear to have a flying thirty odd seconds with Christie causing ha- causing hazard and gaining a corner. We are brought back to Bet Bettinelli, who gives the ball to Seri, and lo and behold, we have a Lamarchion special with Fernandinho nicking it and Sane getting a tap in two minutes in. They think we then concede a well-worked goal from David Silva. And the second half, we concede two minutes in again, with Sterling tapping it in from a great Aguero run on the right-hand side. And then it's all over. And from here, gents, I mean, it could have been five or six nil onwards, but we seem to only decide to defend better after the third goal and after Anguisa came on. Hmm. So in all, a spanking from a world-class team, a Sterling Silva Sani, or a shit sandwich for our defenders. So, um, first question is, um, I'll go to you, Matt. A reasonable result against the Centurions, or would you say we could have lost in a better way? It's funny, isn't it? You don't you don't often think of a, a three nil defeat as a as a reasonable result, but actually, it it probably was, and it, it probably could have been a lot more as well. Looking at the amount of shots that Man City had and the saves that Bessinelli made. Yeah, we, we were lucky to come away with a three nil, but but a lot of teams will go to Man City this season. And lose by a lot more than that. So again, as I said, it's it's a weird one where you where you come away from a 
from a game thinking, oh, 3-0, that weren't bad. Obviously, it would have been lovely to get something up there, but when you're making silly mistakes, as we as we seem to keep on making, and especially that early on in the game against a team like Man City, then you're going to get your backsides handed to you. And, you know, you're chasing your tail right from the beginning, unfortunately. Absolutely, absolutely. And it's funny you mentioned that. I mean, they have beaten better teams than us before by a, a way more of a margin. But there was just something, something a little off about our performance, even though it was against a team like Man City. Uh, Slav appeared to have made a, a lot of changes. Uh, Johansson starting for the first time and Sessegnon at left back, which meant Joe Bryant was out. And Christie, of course, was there. I mean, so, Don, what did you think of the starting lineup when you first saw the, the team news? You know, we, we talked about this last podcast. It wouldn't be this year or this season so far the norm unless Slav did something kind of different and a little odd or some people might think a little crazy. I didn't actually think it was a terrible lineup. I was surprised. Uh, and everybody's like, oh, Sess is back in. But that actually wasn't my big surprise. My two surprises was he brought Christie back in when I thought he was still trying to figure out his back four and keep it a little more consistent. So I was surprised that Christie got the nod. I was a little surprised by Johansson getting uh, uh, the nod. I would have thought maybe go for a little bit more of a holding uh, attacker. Somebody more maybe like Timothy, you know, back in there, or somebody who maybe would have been a little more defensive-minded and not so much going forward. Johansson just, you know, he's not that guy who's consistently going to be back there with K-Mac. Yeah, he'll drop back and help defend. He he likes to get forward more. He likes to try and get the the cheeky little passes in or or the the touches that maybe take somebody on and pass the ball for a good through ball. So those two things, they kind of threw me off. The rest of it, I have no problem with, especially Sess. Good man management, to my opinion. You know, you can't have him sit on the bench every game. You got to let him start. And I said this in the beginning when we started the season that good man management, don't just have him sit, play him, you know, let him get the minutes. Yeah, it's going to be against people like Sterling. I mean, God bless the speed on that guy. But he did fine in my mind. So overall, as far as the lineup goes, yeah, you know, there's some questions there. And a lot more questions have been asked during this game than answered. But I don't think it was absolutely the worst lineup we could ever have. I've got to say, I I disagree. I, I was absolutely astonished that Stefan Johansson started this game at Man City. I'm absolutely astonished. At the end of last season, I thought we probably needed uh, five or six players to make us competitive in the Premier League. And I thought that Johansson would be one of those players that we probably sold, to be honest. Don't get me wrong. I love the guy and I thought he was fantastic last season. But he's a championship player. He's not a Premier League player and he should not be starting at Man City. We need to play our best team week in, week out. And we're not doing that at the moment. It's not just Johansson. Starting Sessegnon at left back when we've got Joe Bryan, who's a better left back at the moment in in the side. Sorry, in the squad. We should be playing Joe Bryan. We should be playing players like Anguissa. And and Johansson, maybe he'll get five minutes, ten minutes at the end of a game. But I'm sorry, but I'm I'm astonished. And it it breaks my heart to to criticise the manager because I love Slav, but I thought he got it wrong at the weekend. So, J-Mac, let me have just a little rebuttal there, okay? No, please go for it. I was about to introduce okay, you. So I can see Johansson, and I see what Matt's clearly saying there. E- easily, I can see what he's saying. My thing is, uh, let's play the other side of that, the devil's advocate. I'm guessing that Slav saw 
Johansson in the international uh, duty and saw that he actually had some pretty good performances, I think, and said, yeah, you know what? Good. I, I, exactly. I, I, I think he deserves a nod. I need to do something that maybe will be a little more aggressive because Johansson can be that guy. He can come in, you know, with some tackles that, you know, it, it can be questionable. And he it has no problem, you know, getting in there and pulling a shirt or doing things. So I'm thinking just logically for me, I can see why he got the nod. Now, as far as Sess, that's a different beast altogether for me, okay? And I cannot recall. You guys got to help me recall. You guys have another English talent who plays for City. Phil Foden. There you go. He's just sitting on the bench. If you compared, I just looked this up, uh, and there's a great article. I think it's uh, London Football. I just saw this on Twitter and was reading this great article about this, and I thought it nailed this right on the head when it comes to Sess and his development. Right now, Sess has got Slab's complete undying belief in him. And so what Slav is doing is he's doing great man management, and he actually said this in the article. He said, listen, a player is not going to develop at this level if all he's doing is in camp training with the first team. He's got to be on the pitch, okay? And that doesn't mean, he said, bringing him on for 20-odd minutes, 15-odd minutes. He said he's got to start. He's got to know that you believe in him, and he's got to know that, you know, he can do it. And I think Sess actually did pretty well at this uh, during, during this game, okay? He, he put Walker on his backside going forward. Walker was complaining that was a foul, you know? And, and Walker's a bigger guy and much stronger than him. And, and Sess took him on, and he, he actually made something happen. So there was number one. Number two, there was a great time where there was a through ball. Uh, I forget who we got beat in the midfield for the hundredth time. And it was going through for uh, uh, Sterling. And Sess tracked back, decent pace, caught up with him, cut him off, no problem, and, and gave him hell. So I disagree about Sess starting. I think it was a good idea. I like Wait, that he's actually I, playing. I didn't say he shouldn't have started. I said he shouldn't have started at left back. It's funny because we were chatting on um, on WhatsApp on Saturday morning with, with some of the guys from the focus team. And I said, I think Sess will start today. But I thought he would start instead of the uh, Vieto. And I just I don't understand playing him at left back. I know I know Slav said in the summer mm. that one one day Sess will be playing left back for a top team that attacks all the time. But we're not that team. Defensively, he's vulnerable at the moment. We need to play our best team. Otherwise, we're going to find ourselves going down. I can see where that Matt. come from. Yeah, yeah. And it's funny you mentioned the uh, best team there, Matt, because, I mean, this is the big million-dollar question at the moment. Well, it's not even a question, really. I don't think Slav knows his best team. At the moment, yeah. it seems he's trying to fill a big Tim Ream-shaped hole in his love life for the center of, you know, the center of our defense. So, at the moment, what do you think our best option is for the, for the absence of Tim Ream for the centre-back pairing. Well, yeah, again, it's funny. I, I had a look at this earlier because um, I, I knew we were going to be talking about this. And you have a look at our five games, Palace, Spurs, Burnley, Brighton, Man City. We've not played the same back four in any of those five games. We played a completely different back four. Um, so clearly he doesn't know his, his best defence. And we can't know it either. Slav's watching these players every every week, all week, and if he doesn't know, how are we supposed to know? But my my best guess at the moment would be Fosu Mensah at right back. I was surprised to see Christie come in at right back at the weekend. I don't I don't know what Fosu Mensah's done wrong or who he's upset. Same with Joe Bryan. I don't know who he, who he's upset. I think he's our best left back. 
But then the trouble we've got in the middle is that Le Marchand and, and Mawson are both the left-sided centre-half. But at the moment, I think they're our two best centre-halves. So a combination of those two, whoever plays left side and right side, I don't know. But that, that would be my, that would be my um, best back four at the moment. Don, at the moment, do you seem to think that it seems that Slav decided to go with his heart a lot in this game, judging by the team formation that he chose and the lineup. And it seems to me that he actually almost thought this is going to be a free pass today. Go out there and have fun. And do you think that almost paid off for us in some regard? Did we almost have a better looking result like we did against Spurs in this match? Great question, J-Mac. Uh, it begs to ask another question, and that is, you know, did we or did Slav give enough respect to the champions, you know, City and the way they play, their pace, their style, their strength? Should he have done something completely different to show that, hey, we, we understand you're a great team and we're giving you that respect and we're going to play a little bit different and try and get something out of this. Rather than he went with his heart, he went with, you know, his style. He's not going to compromise. He's already said that several times. He played his straight 4-3-3 and he dropped in the best players he thought at this particular time were going to be his lineup. Now, I can't help but think that maybe he should have changed, especially the formation. Gone to more maybe like a 4-2-3-1, had two holding midfielders, a little more defensive-minded, and instead of being the 4-3-3, which it's exactly what City played, the difference is City had the pace, they are more skillful on the ball. I know people don't want to hear that, but at their level, we're just not there. Okay, interesting. So the first goal, it seems to me that what led to the goal was a carbon copy of a bad pass that Le Marchand did two games previously before when Jean-Michael Serri tried to do a bit of one-touch football and didn't get it to a doy in time, which led to Fernandinho coming in and leading to the assist for Sani to get a first goal. Now, is this a problem with our defence? Is there a problem with communication? And do you think it was Adoy's fault, in fact? What, what do you think, Matt? Um, yeah, I, I, I don't blame Adoy at all. I think it was 100% Seri's fault. He he didn't really look what he was doing. He underhit the pass. He, he left Seri with, uh, sorry, he left Adoy with, with no chance of getting that. And it's frustrating because Seri's been fantastic so far this season. But you know, you, you can't you can't blame the defenders for that one, even even though you know it's, it's another brand new defence. It's a it's another new back four. That was just an underhit pass, and it's the last thing you need at that point in the game. So that's interesting that you guys keep saying uh, that it was Siri because, like I said, I, I, the announcers were up, making me very upset, so I muted them out and I brought up Gentleman Jim, and I swear he said a doy made the pass not Siri am I wrong well it was what happened was the uh the pass so Bettinelli gave the pass to Seri and Seri oh, tried to quickly I'll, I'll break the whole thing down for you and I'll tell you exactly what we did I, I apologize for cutting you off there J-Mac I just thought it was a doy so if it, it, it was Siri not a doy I assumed it was uh a doy because even when I go back to the highlights gentleman Jen keeps saying a doy if you look at all our goals J-Mac and Matt, you can disagree with me on this. They all happen for the same reason, okay? And that is because we're playing the 4-3-3. We're out wide. That means our wing backs are up high. And the only person back, especially for that first goal, is uh, Christy. 
and he's he's dropped into the central role. So he's the only one. And actually, we were caught out on the counterattack from one of our own corners, I believe, for this goal. Can I just bring one point up at that yeah, point? Ahead. I think it's a good point to say this. Seri yeah. cannot take corners. Why is he taking our corners? He's awful <laughs> at corners. I love him. He's been brilliant this season, but he cannot take corners. You're Stop right. Stop taking you're the right. corners. You're right. You're right. Actually, I, well, I kind of think Sess took better corners uh, that t- time he was in. So, uh... <laughs> I'd rather my mum was taking the corners than Seri. Oh, Hi, mum. Who would you have taken corners, uh, Mac? I think if I were to pick someone to take corners, I mean, I think Sess has always been pretty well. Sess would be my ideal choice for the corners, to be honest with you. But and then again, I know Vieto has a good range on him from his assisting that we had at Atletico for the few times he went on loan as well. Kearney, when he's playing? Well, when Kearney's playing, but at the moment, I mean, we've just, actually, I've just checked and he is confirmed that he will likely start again for Watford. So that's, that's a oh, huge hey. So actually, let's talk about that because do you think we miss Kearney in this game, Don? So, okay, let me go back to what I was saying about our formation and what was happening. And yes, we were missing Tom so bad. So with us playing, like I said, the attack, and when it gets into that attack, we don't have a lot of players who like to take players on 1v1, okay? And Tom is one of those guys who will. Uh, the other one who people say he's a ball hog, but I don't think he's as much of a ball hog. I actually like what he's doing is Schurler. I want to see people do that. And so, again, if we go back to the first goal, we were talking about the first goal. He gets the ball, and he goes to lay off a square pass. Well, the problem is we're just not, at least on this particular day, we did not have the field awareness to look around and make sure, are we clear? Who's around us? Who's got the pace? Because everybody on uh, City seems to have pace, and he's going to pick off this ball easily enough. And so he just, you know, tipped it off, square pass. When I wish – you know, hindsight's always twenty twenty. I wish he would have dropped that left shoulder and just taken the ball down the uh, le- the right side. And the reason being is because just like uh, we do, City playing the same game, they were wide and open out there. There was space for us to to take advantage of. Now, with that said, Tom, I think, would have done a better job with his field vision of knowing who was around and maybe not giving away quite so many passes. And that was our downfall. You're, you're absolutely right. The downfall was giving away passes. So I do think we were missing Tom, and I really am glad to hear that he'll be back, or it sounds like he would be back. And now it seems to me, without the loss of, with the loss of Kearney, we were lacking our two creative midfielders. Now, Matt, over to you for something. Don was mentioning how he would have liked to have seen two holding midfielders, and the popular notion at the moment is that Angisa should have started. And I noticed that once he came on for Jean-Michael Seri, once we were 3 nil down, ironically, that's when we seemed to defend a little bit better. Would you have had Angisa start to begin with? Yeah, I think I need to calm myself down a little bit because I'm I'm ranting. Um, but... No, please, we love it. <laughs> if you can't um, bring passion, then don't bring it. Yeah, quite, yeah. quite. Um, so I'd have had Angisa playing instead of uh, Steph Joe for sure from the start. I thought that was logical and I, I had assumed that that would be the case um, and that, that that would be what happened. I think, yeah, he, he's he's a good defensive option, but whether or not it made too much of a difference at 3-0 down, it's almost like Man City took their foot off the gas. Still carved mm. out some chances between, um, you know, being 3-0 up in the end of the game and that they, you know, they they were quite unfortunate not to score more goals, to be honest. But 
I definitely would have liked to have seen Anguissa start that game with um, with Kevin McDonald and those two be the two holding players. But it didn't happen. And, you know, I, I, I just, I wonder what will happen next time we play one of the top, top sides away from home and whether whether we'll we'll try something like that again or whether we'll just be a bit more sensible about it. That's very interesting because that was going to be my next point. So from playing City, the best of the best, I mean, you know, they could easily win the Champions League in my eye. And we, you know, we should be thrilled that we're actually playing against this team. You know, we were only playing Burton Albion a few fucking months ago. So, I mean, it's not, it's not, you know, it's, it's really, it's really a wonderful thing. But the fact, the fact is, will we take some of this knowledge that we now have and bring it to when we go to Anfield or rather when Liverpool maybe come to us? And Don, do you think Slavisa will have learned from this and actually go with what you want with two defensive mids? And if so, how do you think we could actually be effective against Jurgen Klopp's side. You want to think, if you're a good manager, a top manager at this level, that you mm. learn from your mistakes, you move forward, and you correct them when going against the top-tier teams, okay? Now, I'm not saying that the four-two-three-one is the answer for everything because we actually play a, a, a good game when we're on top of our game and we've got the right players in. So I don't see Slav adjusting formation. I know a lot of people keep playing and saying, oh, go with five at the back, things like that. I just don't see it, especially after uh, City's manager, Pep, just gave him huge compliments and said he thoroughly enjoys watching Fulham play their style. That, you know, oh, that was great, wasn't it? That was lovely. Uh, who, who can you get a better compliment from? <laughs> It's, I know. It's like, <laughs> it's like God reached down and said, son, you are my chosen one. <laughs> so you've got to be ecstatic about, oh, my God, Pep loves us, you know. But at any rate, I don't see Slav changing formation, okay? So what I do want to see, though, and this is what we've got to have if we're going to compete with teams like that. A, we got to have more pace. God, we got to get our pace up, okay? Uh, B. We've got to have not just the pace, but the stamina. You know, if you looked at City and said, oh, well, they sat back after they got three goals. Well, God, after they got three goals, it was like we weren't even on the field. We, we totally gave them all kinds of, you know, field space and just let them run around doing whatever almost. To me, it felt like we just lost our heart. We gave up. The third thing for me, and this is a big one, aggression. City had so much aggression. If they lost the ball... They were on you. And if it wasn't one player, it was more like two players. They were on you. They shut you down. They came in hard, especially on tackles and stuff. I didn't see us doing that. I did not see us coming in and aggressively getting after the ball, especially the midfield. I thought the midfield was very disconnected from the back four, and that was a huge problem for us. So I want to see those three things. If Slab's going to take anything away, he's got to be thinking, okay, I got to get their pace up. I got to figure out who those players are that are going to give me that pace. I got to get these guys to start being more aggressive. And I've got to get them to understand that stamina throughout the whole game, just because you see the ball go bye-bye, and I don't want to pick on him. I will say Schurler did upset me several times. He's just not a defensive guy, okay? We've got to have those guys out on the wings coming back and helping with the defense, period. Otherwise, you're going to leave Christie or Brian or whoever's in the back you're going to leave them open. And we've seen this before. They get slammed down that wing all the time. So those are the three things I hope Slav really learned from this game, okay? 
It's interesting you mentioned Scherler, actually, because I, I listened to his interview on the official website um, yesterday, on Sunday, and I wrote down his quote. He said, we didn't have the energy it takes to get something, which is almost like uh, an admission that they were overawed by the occasion and they were just happy to stand there and watch the game going on in front of them and just almost admire the passing that, that Man City were doing. And we really need to mature quickly as this isn't the only big game we're going to have this season. We can't be standing there watching the big teams. We need to, as, as you say, Dom, we need to show some aggression, get stuck in and, and try and beat some of these teams. That's what we're here for. Absolutely. That's wonderful. Wonderful. And so before we move on to the Slav performance rating, um, I just want to give a quick shout out because we've had a few people suggest who they think their man of the match would be for our losing side. And I've got to say, I've, I've been incredibly impressed with Marcus Bertinelli. And I think his, his, well, his, 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 how vocal he's been on the pitch, but also some of the moves he made against Raheem Sterling and making himself so wide that Sterling had to hit the crossbar. And I don't care what anyone says, that is a good goalkeeping move right there. And just to say, unask rather, who you think your man of the match would be if you had to decide. And I'll go with you first, Matt. Yeah, I, I can't disagree with Bettinelli, to be honest. Um, when, when the goal's under siege and to only concede three goals, then, you know, he's, he's earned his place back in the side and, and he's keeping it and he's, and he's doing really well. So good mm. on him. And you, Don? You can't argue with Betts. And, and I'm going to say this, and I've said this several times, I'm a huge Betts fan, okay? But I always try and watch everybody's game objectively and, and you know, give them just a clear slate and say, okay, you start now. How did you play? If you went online after the game, automatically everybody was on bets. Oh, he was in no man's land on that first goal, blah, blah, blah. No, he actually did what a goalie's supposed to do. Because if you watch that first goal, he had no choice. You had the bad pass. Christie was the only one back there. He's coming back to help defend. But in order to do that, he has to come all the way across. So he's left the midfield wide open. Betts comes out, cuts off the angle, and is making himself big. That's what you're supposed to do. And that's why he stopped the other goals that Sterling could have got and, you know, Davis Avisa and all those other guys, okay? I'm sorry. I think he had a great game. It could have been 6-7-0 if it wasn't for him. So kudos to him. Keep playing strong. He's our number one in my mind. Great. Done, mate. Here, here. Well done, mate. And so, finally, the Slav performance rating. Matt. Out of 10, how would you rate Slavica's performance as manager for this game? Um, well, I disagreed with the lineup, um, and I also disagree with the constant tinkering of the side. I'm going to give him a 5 out of 10, but I want to just caveat that with um, a tweet from Mark Maunders on Saturday evening. Uh, I'm just going to read it out. It's important to remember that we're right where we wanted to be. A year ago tomorrow, we were losing at Burton in front of 4,000-odd. We learned a lot and developed from that game, and we'll do the same from today's game. So it's a five out of 10, but I expect and I believe that it will get better. Stav's got my full back in. There's no question of that. I, I'd just like to see some more consistency in the team lineup. All right. Very good. And for you, Don? I can't argue with what Matt just said. And he, and he actually, he brought up a great quote from a great person uh, who I've only met once. I, I did meet him one time. Very nice gentleman. And I thought, what he said is correct. You know, where we were a year ago, you know, was at a lower league playing lower teams. We are where we want to be. So for Slav, I give him a five for sort of the same reasons. Okay. 
I'd almost border on six. And the reason I would border on six, and this is where Matt and I uh, would disagree. I don't think Seth being a left back was that bad of a choice. Uh, I, I, I do think we've got to figure out, you know, the back four. I agree with Matt completely. We've had, what did you say? Five changes in the back. Uh, Matt, you said we had yeah. five changes. in five, the back five, five, right? five matches, five different back, back fours. Well, that's the same as our kits, right? So every time we change kit, we, we change the back lineup. <laughs> so you think about this. Good Hopefully point. when we go against Watford, he doesn't do a completely different back lineup. And we end up going with, say, the yellow kit from, you know, our third kit or something. We've got to start doing um, consistency. So because we didn't do have a little more consistency, I give him a five. I do think that, he, again, he tried picking with his heart and it didn't work. All right, this man. time next week, it'll be a 10. This time next week, it'll be a 10. Another <laughs> five minutes. Optimism. On. Well, <laughs> well, we might even go out with the old uh, Green Harrods kit next time. So you never know what's <laughs> going to happen, guys. So let's see. All right, guys. That's great. Thank you very much. And that's, that's, the, that's a wrap-up of the post-City match analysis. Great stuff. Fulham. And welcome back to Fulham Focus, and now it is time for the quiz. So how it works is we've got each co-host will have a, choose a set of questions, and all you guys can play along at home. They're all Watford-related questions. And so, guys, you can reach a total of 10 points. And for all you guys playing at home with pencils at the ready, you can reach a total of 17, because you'll be answering every question. I will read the questions very slowly so you guys at home can play along. And without further ado, let's start the quiz. So, with the rule of alphabet, I'm going to let Don pick which set he would like first. So, Don, would you like set one or set two? And bear in mind, this is the only time you'll get to choose. All right, so it really doesn't matter to me because, uh, sadly, my, my knowledge of Fulham history, especially before, like, 2007, is really, really bad. So, okay, set one is fine. All right, no problem. Okay, so here we go. Round one, the multiple choice. The first top flight meeting between the two clubs, Fulham and Watford, came at Vicarage Road on the 2nd of October, 2006, and was live on Sky. What was the score? Was it A, 2-2? Was it B, 2-3 to Fulham? Was it C, 3-2 to Watford? Or was it D, 3 all? Okay, so again, this is pre-dawn. I I apologize. And uh, this is also uh, pre-Sky getting TV rights uh, regularly in the United States. So this is total guess. I'm going with my heart. It was Fulham. And what was it? Uh, We we went 3-2. Was that the choice? Uh, Yeah, 3-2 to Fulham. That was was B. 3-2 Fulham. All right, stand by, listeners. Unfortunately, that is incorrect. It was D. It, the answer is it was 3-0. Fulham came from 2-0 down to lead 3-2 before oh, Ashley Young them. equalized in stoppage time. So Our, our third goal was late as well. I remember I was there. Our third goal was in the last minute, and then they went straight up the other end and scored. Yeah, Painful. that's right. Painful. Right, so here we go. So, Matt, this is your question. Fulham beat Watford 5-0 at the Cottage on Boxing Day in 2000. But who scored a hat-trick for the Whites that day? All right. Was it A, 
Andre Stolzes, B. Louis Saha, C. Barry Hales, or D. Fabrice Fernandez. It was Barry Hales. Final answer, Barry Hales. Stand by, listeners. That is correct. It was Barry Hills. That is one point to Matt. Fantastic. Okay, guys. Now we got the round two, the true or false round. This is you, Don. Okay. Despite missing out on the top two, Slavica Jokanovic's Fulham ended the season with more points than Slav's Watford team. Who finished second and achieved automatic promotion? Okay. If I'm not mistaken, this, this bit I've read about when I went and started kind of researching Slav to, to figure out, you know, what kind of manager and stuff he was, he got that team promoted. So I, I think uh, we did not have enough points. It, it would be Watford, right, that that got promoted. So whatever true or false is, it, it was Watford and, and Slav that had more points. Well, okay, that's fine. That's correct. Watford finished a point higher with 89 points that season. Yeah, 89. Well, so I didn't know the points. Point I don't know how many points they had, but I'm not going to lie. No, there was a good season for them, actually. Can you imagine they actually sacked him the next? Ridiculous. I mean, that's, that's why we went looking for him, right? Because he got a team promoted. Yeah, exactly. And long may, long may he reign. Okay, Matt, this is your true or false question. Craven Cottage has a bigger capacity than Vicarage Road. True or false? Uh, Watford have got the new stand, haven't they? Um, mm-hmm. I'm going to say false. Unfortunately, it is true. Craven oh, wow. Cottage has a capacity of 25,700 and Vicarage Road has a capacity of 21,577. So it does have a bigger capacity. Mm, there you go. There you go. All right. Round three. Now, this is yes or no. So each of you can get a total of four points here. We're not going to stop doing it. We're going to keep going until you get all the ones that you need to. All right. So, Don. Yes. I'm going to give you a list of names, one by one, and I'm going to ask you this question. They have all played for both clubs, but did they make more appearances for Fulham? Yes or no, okay? Okay. Matthew Briggs. No. Unfortunately, yes, he had 29 appearances for Fulham and nine for Watford. Marcelo Trotter. I'm going to say yes. Yes. He had three substitute appearances for Fulham and only one full appearance for Watford. Whatever happened to him? I think he went, I think he went to Italy. Oh. I don't know. I need to look that up. Anyway, John Harley. Harley. Yes. Unfortunately, it's no. He had 35 appearances for Fulham and 83 for Watford. Hamir Bouaza. All these are guesses, just so your listeners know. As I said, this is pre-dawn, but I am doing my best. I'm going to guess no on this one. Well, that is correct. He had 22 appearances for (laughs) Fulham and 100 for Watford. Well done, mate. Excellent knowledge. And the final name is Stephen Kelly. Oh, jeez. Uh, no. Unfortunately, it's yes. He had 71 appearances for Fulham and only 13 for Watford. I'm sorry. <laughs> That's okay. All right. <laughs> now. See, there's no you, pressure Matt. on me. Now there's pressure on Matt. 
No, it's, he's got serious pressure on Matt because, I mean, you've only got three three out of ten at the moment. Matt could really up his game because he's already on two. <laughs> All right, Matt. So, this, this question, for each name, you have to give yes or no. And the question is, did these players play for both Watford and Fulham? Ready? David Button. Oh, he's had more clubs than Nick Fowler, hasn't he? I'm going to say yes. The answer is no, I'm afraid. Oh, man. Sorry, you missed that one. Next. Danny Cullop. Oh, yeah, he played for Watford as well. I'm sure he did. That is correct. Okay, so you're on three out of ten. Scott Malone. No. That is correct. Ryan Tunnicliffe. I don't remember him playing for Watford, so I'll say no. That is correct again, man. And the last one is Collins John. Collins John? He never played for Watford, did he? No. The answer is yes, I'm afraid. But fear not, you have got one, two, three, four, and that is five out of ten for you, Matt. And Don, you are currently on three out of ten. And now we have the final. I actually knew some of those names. Uh, (laughs) Did he play for Watford? You cut out then. Did he play? Yeah, he did. Did he? I don't remember that. Yeah. So, uh, done. I'm really sorry. This is this I, is the actually, I knew, you picked that one, man. I knew the names of I recognized the names of four of those players. So, <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, you can you can redeem yourself, man. So now it's time for the buzz around, and I am deciding that the buzz around, the noise you have to make because we miss him, Dilly, will be ream. <laughs> so, and you can only say ream after I finish the full sentence, and that's for everyone at home as well because you might look a bit nuts staying in your home in your house, but it doesn't matter. All right, round four, the buzz around. Okay, so this is to all of you. Question one. Which Watford player's move to Fulham allegedly broke down because he failed a medical and then denied it to the media? Oh, I can't remember his name. Well, this is actually a typical Fulham thing. I can't remember the guy's name. How annoying. That's problematic. Yeah, it is. I, I'm not going to lie. I have no clue who it is. Uh, but All this right, is then. very Fulhamish. This is very Fulhamish. <laughs> yeah, I can't remember his name. Who was it? All right, so no one for that round, but it was Marlon King. Oh, Marlon King. Marlon oh. King, yeah. Okay, the next question. As mentioned earlier in the quiz, Fulham beat the Hornets 5-0 at the Cottage in 2000. And Watford got their own back 14 years later, winning by the same scoreline, again at the Cottage. Who was sent off for Fulham just after 18 minutes that day? Ream. Matt, go. Betts. That is correct. Well played, man. Yes. Marcus Bentley was sent off for the last man, beating the last man, and he could see the penalty. 18 minutes? (laughs) Yeah. 18 minutes, yeah. And okay, so the final question. Is Saturday's fixture fixture officially a London derby? Oh, not fair. Matt? Yes. No, the answer is no, I'm afraid. Oh, you make me feel so good. (laughs) (laughs) What for the football club? It's hard for me to kind of know all those kind of intricate things about England. Well, no, this is interesting because a lot of people need to know this. I'm really happy that you got that wrong. (laughs) (laughs) Cheers. (laughs) 
Watford Football Club is based at the Vicarage Road Stadium, which is located two and a half miles beyond the northwest edge of Greater London. Therefore, it is in Hertfordshire and not Great. eligible to be in a London derby. Great Amen. question. Nice one. Great, Great question, right? It's, a bit, a bit... it's not a derby because of two and a half miles. Yeah, that's, that's them's the rules. <laughs> that is All the right, guys. <laughs> All right. So I hope you... Let's have a look. One, two, three, four. So that year, Matt got six out of ten, and Don got three out of ten. Yeah, that sounds right. All right, guys, and I hope you all got along well at home as well. <laughs> uh, Matt, because you won, uh, we're going to send you a signed Fulham shirt of Neymar, and we'll give that to you as soon as we sign him. Okay, don't worry. As soon as we sign him, we'll send that straight to you. No worries. You're very welcome. And to anyone else who won at home, just give us your details, and we'll do that too. Okay, and that is the end of the quiz. Fulham. And welcome back to the Fulham Focus podcast. Now we're going to have a little quick preview about our not London derby rivals uh, on the weekend. And Don, how do you think we should be shaping up against Watford on on Saturday at 12.30? I mean, they clearly have huge, huge form going away from home and at home. They've done very well against some big clubs. What, what do you think Slav will be interested in here? You know, Watford are they're actually a really interesting side here. If you look at the way they've been doing their formation, okay, they're very attack minded, right down the middle, right down the middle. And this is because of the formation they play. It's a four two two two, which doesn't necessarily bring a lot of width into the game, okay? What it does do is it brings a lot of strength to the defense because you've got the two holding midfielders, you basically always have got five in the back or you know a lot of times the way this is meant to be set up this kind of formation it's meant to where you have six players at any given time in the field or, or on the pitch you know so six players in the attack or six players in the midfield six players in the defense with that said because they like to play narrow right down the middle and attack 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 okay mm. we can take advantage of this we can break down the outside and go with, with our width, which is what the four three three and slab really likes to push, okay? Especially our wingbacks. We've got to make sure we've got a, a strong going forward left and right back, okay? And that's very tricky in our, in our lineup. We've talked about this. Who are those players going to be? But I actually think playing our style for once, four three three, could be an advantage for us, okay? If you look at when they played... Manchester United, and when they played uh, Tottenham, okay? Yeah, they, they took it to Tottenham pretty good. I don't think they did as well at United, and I think United punished them for their being very narrow-minded. They, they had it more on the width. And if you looked at their attacks, United's attacks, that's where it came from. It was more on the width or, or crossing the ball from one side to the other. So I actually think our four-three-three formation is not a hindrance here against them since they're playing this 4 that's some wonderful points there, mate. And I actually, I agree. I've got this feeling that on Saturday we will really take it to them and we'll actually play, they'll play right into our hands the way we want it, quite similar to the way Burnley did. Uh, Matt, what do you think of uh, Don's points? And are there any players of the Watford team that we should be watching ourselves out for or marking very strongly? Yeah, um, I, I think Don certainly makes some some great points there. Um, in terms of In terms of players that Watford have got, they've obviously got Andre Gray and Troy Dean who are um, almost household names in the Premier League these days. But um, Roberto Pereira is the guy who um, who had three and three at one point, well, after three games, funnily enough, 
<laughs> but he hasn't scored since um, since the the Palace game. Um, Watford, it's almost um, quite a false dawn to to look at the Watford results so far because they've had four of their five games at home because the the match with Spurs was of course meant to be played at Spurs but they switched that one over because of the the debacle with the Spurs stadium. So they've had four four at home, of which they've won three, and then they won away at Burnley. But looking at the possession that they've had um, in the games that they have played so far, 53% at home to Brighton, 42% away at Burnley, 44% at home to Palace, and then 34% at home to, to Spurs, and then 43% at home to United. So they're, they're not a side that relies on dominating teams in terms of possession. So I think we'll see a lot of the ball. And when we see a lot of the ball, then... We, we should be carving out some chances. So, again, I go back to my review of the City game and say I'd like to see us field our best lineup. Certainly at home, I'd like to see Brian back in at left, left back. Um, and I'd like to see Cess uh, play further up, up the pitch. Um, and I really think we could cause them some problems. Uh, any, any team can beat any team in this division. Um, everybody's there on merit. And Watford have got some undoubted quality. And they'll, they'll be targeting this game because... We're sandwiched in between the United home game and then they've got to go to Arsenal away after that. So they'll be thinking, Fulham away, we need to get something. But our game with with Watford is sandwiched in between City and Everton away. City away, obviously, what happened happened. And then Everton away is one of those games where where we just never seem to have any luck. So both teams are going to be going all out in this one. It should be a really good game. All right, fantastic. And what we've got to remember as well is, guys, that, you know, the Man City game is not going to be the judge of whether we get relegated or stay up this season there are two leagues within the premier league and watford are in our league and burnley were in our league and brighton were in our league and crystal palace like absolutely were in our league and we're on a good run our results are not that bad in in that regard and i've got a good feeling about this game and i think hopefully come three o'clock we'll have three points on the board and i'd like to know don what your predictions for the score are going to be Hold on one second. I want to go back, if I can, to one of their players, Wat- Watford's players, because I really think this guy has done something remarkable that, you know, me personally, especially, you know, I'm I'm 50. So at my age, it, it, when you hear about somebody who's kind of older in their game and, and turning themselves around, I want to give a short shout out to Troy Deeney. He has done something that few players do, okay? He... It's 30 years old, and I'm not saying that's old, but in football terms, especially being a striker and stuff, it, it is getting up there. He turned himself around because he actually fell out. I was reading an article about this. He fell out of love with the game, and he was actually going to quit. And all of a sudden, he, he said he was drinking heavily. He, he turned himself around. He quit drinking. He got himself a fitness coach. He got himself a chef. And he really started going and working out and getting back in shape. And, and once he did... He said his game is turned around. So I do think that's one player we need to be concerned about because he is feeling good about himself and he's actually done pretty well this this season, especially, you know, the last couple of games, I think, as far as his appearances. So I do think he's one of the people that we've got to be concerned about, okay? As far as my predictions, um, I actually think Fulham's going to do this. I'm going to go with 2-1, Fulham wins. Like it. Excellent. And Matt, what, what about you, man? I've gone for our first clean sheet of the season, and I think we'll we'll win two nil. Yeah, first clean sheet, even better. Two nil win. I'll take that. All right, two nil, three one. What was it done? Sorry, I forgot already. (laughs) I I was just going to go. 
2v1. Two v one. All right. Well, what about you, J Mac? What do you think? I've got a feeling that uh, it's going to be two nil. I think we are really going to respond to the defense uh, criticizers, and I hope that we can get a clean sheet. And I, I hope that what I'd like to see is Joe Bryan back, like you said, Matt. And I would like to see Mensa back, like you said, Don. But most of all, I would like a better understanding between the centre backs, and I think Mawson will get there because Mawson is creating such an atmosphere in that role right now. He's already telling people after the games that he will not accept bad defending. And I think we all do justice by that come Saturday. Excellent stuff. All right, guys, and really quickly before we wrap this up, what is your starting lineups? And I'll go with you first, Don. Okay, so I agree with what's been saying. Uh, we don't want to keep seeing the back four chopped up. I want to see Timothy uh, Fusamensa in the back. I want to see Mawson. And I don't know about the partnership. I, I personally, I, I like Lee Machon. Uh, I would go with that. Brian, obviously. Siri, back out on the on the wing. K-Mac, I'd almost consider doing Zambo uh, and Guisa back in there. Sess, you want to see him in there. Maybe he sits out, though, if Carney's back. I didn't know you said Carney might be back. I say Tom. Go, Got to go with what we're doing up front top. I know a lot of people don't want to, but Schurler, Mitro, Vito. Awesome. That's great. And come on, Matt, give us your one as well. Okay, so I've got Betts in goal. Then I've got Fosu Mensa and uh, Joe Bryan as um, as fullbacks. I've got Adoy and Mawson as centre-halves. I, I love Dennis Adoy. Um, his pace is great, and he's got a great leap on him. I, I really like him. Um, I'd have McDonald and Anguisa, then Seri, and then I'd have Scherler, Sessegnon, and Mitrovic. I wouldn't hurry Tom Kearney back if he's if he's fit and available. I'm not sure that he is uh, he is going to be fit for this. Last I heard, he was he was going to be back in training by the end of this week. Same with Tim Ream. Um, when those two are back, then then we're we're going to shape up to be really good. But that that's how I'd line up if it were me. All right, fantastic, great preview, guys, great preview. And up next, we're going to have a little trip off through memory lane. Fulham. And we're back. And now I'd like to move over to Matt, who would like to talk to us about a memorable match against Watford at the Cottage. And we, we dwelled on this earlier a little bit. And it's something we're doing now where we're talking about our memories. And we all discussed what memories we had of Watford. And Matt's was certainly the most outstanding. So, Matt, please take it away, mate. So I'm going to take you back to the, the Boxing Day match of the year 2000 when we beat Watford 5-0. We've We've mentioned it a couple of times in the quiz, and one of um, one of my quiz questions was asking who who scored the hat trick, and that was actually a really easy one for me because I remember this game really well. And um, just just a bit of background to this match before we go into it, though. So this this was in the year two thousand. So in nineteen ninety eight, two years earlier, Watford came to the cottage on the last day of the season, knowing that a win would get them the title and promotion from Division Two to to, to Division One. And they won two one. They won the league. Jason Lee, of all people, scored. He of uh, pineapple on his head fame from fantasy football, for those of you that remember from the 90s. <laughs> um, and um, and all the Watford fans ran on the pitch and they they had a, a, celebra- a celebration on the cottage pitch. And I, I don't know if any, anybody has, has ever, or I don't know if anybody remembers it or if anybody's ever had that before where a team's come and celebrated on, on your pitch, but it hurts a little bit. And um, I think a lot of us remembered that. So off off the back of that game anyway, that season, we just about scraped into the playoffs and, and we lost to Grimsby over two legs, so we didn't get promoted. 
Meanwhile, Watford, who went up, then went up again to the Premier League the following season. And whilst we got promoted to the Championship that time, we still didn't play Watford because they'd gone up. And anyway, the next season, Watford were relegated. We did nothing in the Championship, so we were going to be playing them again. And this was the season when Tigener came in, John Tigener, John Tigener came into the club, completely revolutionised the club. He changed the players' diets. He had them training several times a day and brought in some fantastic players. You know, you'll, you'll know the likes of Louis Saha and John Collins. We, we, were, we were such a good side. And the first few games of that season... We, um, we we won every game. I think it was the first 11 matches we won. We were looking unstoppable. Meanwhile, Watford were also unbeaten in their first 15. Then they went on a, on a shocking run. So it all came together at the cottage. Um, and would we get our revenge? Wouldn't we get our revenge? Would, would you know? Would, would we carry on this fantastic football that we've been playing and and quash the the awful memory of the Watford supporters celebrating winning the league on on our own pitch? And we beat them 5-0. Louis Saha scored a penalty. Barry Hales scored the hat-trick. And then Andre Stolchers, who introduced the show, scored a brilliant fifth goal, actually. The, the cross came in and he, he almost like flicked it in with his back heel. It was, it was a great finish and it, was, it capped a, a fantastic performance. Watford manager Graham Taylor, who was manager of Watford the two years previously when, when they got promoted, he he went on to remark what a tremendous achievement it was for us to reach 61 points by Boxing Day. 61 points. What what a turnaround that is. And it was one of these one of these games where, you know, you, you play a team at Christmas and then you quickly play them again afterwards. So we had them again at Vicarage Road in, in uh, the January and we went there and we beat them 3-1 as well. So it was it was just a really, really happy time and and um and we ended up getting promoted to the premier premiership as it was then, now the Premier League. For the first time, we got over 100 points and Watford drifted back down to ninth. And as I I was pulling all this together, it got me thinking how lucky I was at that time because I was was in 2000, I was 19. So you go back a couple of years to the Mickey Adams season and I was was 15, 16. I was able to go to football every week, had no responsibilities. So I was just going to Fulham all the time, home and away, barely missing a game. And what a time to be able to do that. When we came, when, when we won the Division 3, or sorry, we didn't win Division 3. We we were promoted. We should have won Division 3 under Mickey Adams. And then we got promoted again in, from Division 2 under Keegan. And then promoted again from um, from the Championship or Division 1 as it was then under Tigana. And then to go up to the Premier League and get to go to all these places. Just got, basically got to tick off most of the 92 grounds all, all the, you know, on, on our way. And it, it was just such a fantastic time. And I consider myself really lucky because, you know, sometimes you look at you look at people and you look at how the club's doing and you think, oh well, you, you're growing up in this time. You got to go to Everton every week or, you know, going go to away games when when you know we're not going to win. So, I, I consider myself really lucky to to have grown up in that era. And that that five nil against Watford was was such a fantastic game. And let's hope we repeat it again this weekend. Uh, that's that's such a great story, man. And I think. Hopefully we'll have more times of that like that to come of a uh, of a new Fulham generation. Now we're back in the Premiership, but I imagine you're going to be at the game on on Saturday. Oh yeah, absolutely! Can't wait. All right, man. I'm I'm going to give you my number and we're going to have a pint at halftime. Sounds good. All right, guys. Great show. Well, thank you to my co-hosts and uh, thank you at home for listening. And well done, Matt, for winning the quiz. And I hope you guys at home got a good score. You're welcome, man. And now don't forget to subscribe and rate us on iTunes and obviously tell your friends. And uh, Paul Pesky Salido's written uh, Q&A is out, which Danny has posted, and it's in the usual place on the Fulham Focus website. 
And uh, next week's show is out on Tuesday, where we will have all the fallout from the Watford game and look forward to a lead cup return for our return to Millwall. And then we'll have a little brief glimpse of our match at Everton upcoming. So that's goodbye from me. And that's goodbye from Don. Yep. Goodbye, everybody. Hope uh, we have a good result. Uh, And goodbye from Matt. Cheers, everyone. Come on, you whites. Fulham.